Hey guys, real quick before we get started, we are doing a free giveaway for listeners between now and May 31st. Cash prizes, free swag, Yacht Meetup tickets, San Diego Padre tickets, and more. All you got to do to qualify is go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and drop a five-star review. Send a screenshot to giveaway at summerscapital.com and we'll be selecting lucky winners May 31st. As always, I appreciate the support. Now let's jump into the show. You know, it's 2024 and so, you know, you got to take advantage of all the technology that's out there to build your business and the ones that are not building their businesses and taking advantage of, you know, all the technology out there, social media, um, and all these tools to help grow our brands, to help attract capital, to help attract new clients, investors, et cetera. You're really putting yourself in a position to where it's going to be very challenging for you to compete with your competition out there. Welcome to the Rich Summers Report, where we talk real estate, business, and wealth building, all while keeping it real. No fluff, no BS. I hope that you enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of The Report. Today, we are back in the studio here in downtown San Diego, and I am rolling solo. We got a little bit of rain outside, and this is my first episode of 2024, and super excited for it. Hope all you had a wonderful and amazing holiday break. Um, I know we took two weeks off personally here in the office. I did a little solo traveling down to uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. Got to drink some really good wine, eat some really good steak, and uh, really just experience some good culture down there, which was cool to see. It's their summertime down there, so the weather was super good. And uh, got to go visit with family up in San Clemente, which is uh, the southernmost city in Orange County. I uh, spent some time with parents, uh, my sister, my brother-in-law, my nieces, and uh, kind of ringing a little Christmas up there. And uh, spent New Year's up here in uh, San Diego, which was cool. And uh, excited for the new year. We uh, were back in the office as of yesterday and um, got my business coach, Rick English, flying into town today. And uh, he's going to be with us uh, all day tomorrow, all day on Friday. Uh, here going over a lot of things, uh, goals, annual meetings for uh, the 2024 year and uh, figuring out exactly where we're going to go this year and uh, what it's going to take, what resources we're going to need in order to get there. So super excited for that. Um, but with that, I am very excited for this episode. I am going to talk everything boutique hotels, why boutique hotels. I'm going to go over a couple of case studies on some of the deals that we have bought in the past. And then I'm going to break down step by step how to buy your first boutique hotel in 2024. Uh, so stay tuned. I'm going to get very detailed and uh, super into all the different numbers and the steps outlining exactly what you need to do to buy your first boutique hotel in 2024. So let's jump into it. So first off, it's important to remember why boutique hotels. Um, you know, for us, I believe it's going to be the next big thing. Uh, number one reason is Airbnb is becoming oversaturated. Um, there was a big run and a big push of Airbnb investors over the last five years. Um, and it was a lucrative thing. We, we own Airbnbs and operate them in many markets around the country. And uh, some of them do well, but some of them also um, we're noticing uh, are in markets that are getting a tad oversaturated. Uh, second reason is Airbnb regulations are tightening in many markets around the country right now. Uh, look at New York City. They just banned short-term rentals a couple months ago. Um, San Diego just uh, heavily regulated Airbnbs here in the last, um, actually it was May of last year. Uh, they slashed the uh, number of short-term rentals from 16,000 in the city of San Diego down to 5,000 short-term rentals. Um, and so if I'm a betting man, I think more markets around the country are going to continue to regulate it. As more markets continue to get regulated, it's going to bring more demand back to the boutique hotels, which bodes well for hotel investors. Um, also, 
40 million baby boomers are going to be retiring over the next seven years. Uh, this is literally the biggest transfer of wealth in American history. It's about to go down. It's said that 25% of the boutique hotels out there that are priced at $10 million and under are owned by these boomers. And so it's a huge opportunity for us to come in and pick up tired properties from these boomers. A lot of the properties are typically uh, tired. They haven't been renovated in decades. Um, they are not utilizing any technology. Um, and so there's a big gap in terms of where they could be performing and where they're currently performing, meaning you can come in and pick up these properties from the boomers at a discount. You can add value by renovating. You can add value by implementing good operations, good marketing, good technology, and uh, really increase your income and force your appreciation that way, which is a massive opportunity. Um, it's also the next natural progression for all of these Airbnb investors out there. Um, you think about all the Airbnb investors out there in the game over the last five to 10 years. Um, if you can operate you know, three Airbnbs, five Airbnbs, and five markets, uh, you can operate a 10-unit boutique hotel. Uh, there's a lot of fundamentals um, and baseline knowledge that transitions over. Um, I was at the uh, Bigger Pockets Real Estate Conference back in uh, October of 22 here in San Diego, um, as well as other short-term rental conferences that I go to. Everyone that I meet is like, hey, Rich, um, I cannot wait to do my first boutique hotel. So I believe that it's just a matter of time before it becomes the next big thing. And so that's why for us, we're jumping ahead of this, uh, this trend now. The other reason is, you know, the market right now is, is currently softening. We are in a high interest rate environment since um, about 18 months now, since the, the Fed started hiking rates back in 2022. And uh, it's important to remember when we're in a softening market, you know, in order to buy, at least for us, we want, we want two things. One, we want to be able to buy at a discount. But number two, we always we always want to be able to add tremendous value. And right now in the hotel space, it's easier to find those two things than it is in any other commercial real estate asset class out there. Um, you know, multifamily especially, that's very challenging right now. Um, Self-storage, office. Um, but the hotel side is relatively easy to find those two things. We also have, don't have neighbors to worry about, which is nice. In the short-term rental space, you know, there's a lot of neighbors you got to worry about. Um, if you're next to some, you know, shitty neighbors, uh, it's it's going to make things fairly challenging from a uh, operational standpoint. We can force our appreciation with these boutique hotels because it's not residential real estate; it's commercial real estate, which we love. So, you know, these these assets, these hotels, are valued based on the income they generate. So, generally speaking, the more income uh, that we can generate for these hotels, the more these hotels are worth. And the more we can decrease the expenses, the leaner we can operate these properties, uh, the more we're going to add in terms of value, uh, which gives us more control as the operator. And we're not subject to the ups and downs and the volatility of the uh, residential marketplace, which we love. Um, also, we can utilize economies of scale. Um, you know, when you're operating short term rentals, you're not utilizing any economies of scale. You know, you, we might or you might operate, let's just say, for example, five short term rentals. And five different markets. You got five sets of house cleaners to uh, manage. You got five sets of repair and maintenance. You got five sets of utilities. Um, you got five sets of you know mortgage payments and bills. But you can manage twenty four units, uh, boutique hotel, twenty four units under one roof. You got one set of housekeepers. You got uh, one set of utilities. You got one set of repair and maintenance. Uh, you got one set of uh, mortgage payments and bills to worry about, uh, which makes it a lot easier to scale, which uh, which we love. Um, also, right now, with the high interest rate environment, um, we love the hotel space because it's very common for us to go out there and negotiate our own terms and seller financing. Um, seller financing is very common. A lot of these 
mom and pop sellers bought their hotels uh, 30 years ago on seller financing. So they're already expecting to exit and sell to the next buyer on seller financing terms. Also, these mom and pops are retiring. And so they prefer to uh, have that income ongoing uh, in retirement and the cash flow. Uh, they're not going to be utilizing the proceeds from the sale to go reinvest into real estate. And so that makes a big opportunity for you guys uh, and us to come in, negotiate some good seller financing. And the coolest thing about seller financing that a lot of people don't talk about is when you go to pay back that seller, let's say three years down the road, five years from the, down the road, uh, now you built that trust factor. You gave them cash flow for three years, five years straight. They're retired, so they prefer that cash flow ongoing. Uh, you're very likely to uh, redeploy that, that capital back from them into your next opportunity. Um, you built that trust, uh, that relationship with them. They already trust you. And as long as you have another hotel opportunity, they're probably going to roll a lot of the proceeds over uh, into your next deal and opportunity. And now they become your biggest investor. So it's a win-win on both sides of the field there. You know, we can operate these properties remotely. Um, that's kind of been our bread and butter. Um, we just bought a 40 unit uh, hotel uh, to close out the year back in December of last year. And we're going to uh, operate that property remotely. Um, we're picking up another one with a couple of couple folks in our mastermind um, here up in Northern California, closing first week of February. That one's 44 units. And we plan to operate that remotely with the self-check-in, self-check-out model. Um, it allows two things. One, um, it allows us to renovate the manager's unit or the innkeeper's unit. Um, often, uh, a lot of these hotels um, come with an innkeeper's unit. And they're often the nicest in the largest unit on the property. So we can renovate that, that unit, bring it online for additional revenue. And then um, it allows us to eliminate the expense of having an on-site manager on payroll. That drops the bottom line. And uh, what that does ultimately is it you know, increases the NOI. And since these things are value based on the income approach, uh, it increases the value and what these things are, are, are worth. So traditionally speaking, or generally speaking, commercial real estate is NOI divided by the cap rate equals value. So if you can figure out a way to increase the NOI, the net operating income, and you can um, you know, figure out a way to lower your cap rate, which is very possible when you renovate these properties, you make them nicer. Um, you're typically lowering your cap rate as well. Um, you can force your valuation, which is a, which is a, a pretty cool formula once you understand it. Um, other things that we like, you know, obviously the tax benefits that applies to all real estate. We'll get cost segregation studies done on these hotels. A lot of that flows through to our investors. Uh, we can use other people's money. So we raise money um, in our fund from our investors and uh, we go and buy these boutique hotels. Um, that's something that you can do as well. Um, and then obviously we get acquisition fees, which is pretty cool. So uh, at closing as a syndicator, um, you will compensate yourself an acquisition fee. And that's basically compensating yourself for the time it takes to go source these deals, build the relationships, get them dented up, uh, secure the lending, raise all the money, manage the contractors, manage the business plan, and uh, return distributions, which is pretty cool. So you get paid up front, but also you get a slice of the equity, um, the cash flow, the refi proceeds, the sale proceeds, etc. So it can be pretty lucrative. But the main thing is you got to get out there and make it happen. You got to find the right deals in order to do so. So you know, a little bit about my background before I got into the first boutique hotel uh, deal that I did. I was doing a lot of multifamily stuff. I was doing a lot of short-term rental stuff. As I saw both of those getting oversaturated, pivoted over and I said, well, what if we do our, a boutique hotel? So first one bought was uh, in August of 2021. It was, uh, I'm sorry, August of 2022. 
up in um, Northern California, an area called Shelter Cove, 10 units, beachfront. Bought that property for $1.53 million. Uh, we put about $500,000 into total improvements. That was CapEx. Um, we basically redid all the interiors. Uh, we painted the entire exterior. We did all new design, all new furnishings. We rebranded the hotel. When we bought it, it was called the Tides Inn. Uh, we rebranded it to the Black Sands Inn. Uh, this area has really cool sunsets, black sand beaches, hiking trails, and uh, rebranded that thing and um, got it relaunched and cash flowing. The owner that we had bought it from, um, he was a mom and pop seller, owned it for 18 years. This guy never exceeded $200,000 in annual gross revenue and um, for the 18 years that he owned it. And so the first year that, that we had this thing up and running, uh, we pushed almost $700,000 in top line revenue. So we three and a half X the, the gross revenue. Um, and it appraised 12 months after we bought it. So we bought it for 1.53 million. It appraised 12 months later after we bought it for 4.5 million and some change. So we three X the value in literally 12 months, um, which I'll tell you right now, you can't do that in multifamily. Um, you're not going to do that in a lot of different asset classes. You're definitely not going to do that in the residential space. So, um, once, we kind of proved out the concept with that first deal. I was like, okay, guys, this is the new direction. Let's go all in on the boutique hotels um, before it becomes the next big thing. So super excited for it. The most recent one that we bought here in December was a 40-unit boutique hotel up in Lake Chelan that was uh, in Washington. Really big vacation town, uh, vacation area up there. Um, super excited. Congrats to our investors that participated on that one. Um, but anyhow, that one, we were able to pick it up direct from our lender. Uh, who lent on our San Diego deal. And um, that one uh, last appraised for $7.5 million. It was a foreclosure. We ended up picking it up for $4.87 million after the seller credit. Uh, that one doesn't need a ton of renovation or anything like that. We're just going to get it stabilized, bring in some good marketing, some good operations, and really uh, capture our value-add component that way. Um, and then we'll be closing in February of next year, on uh, another deal, 44 units in Bodega Bay, um, and uh, super excited for that one. But that one, we just got the appraisal back. I'm not going to speak too much on that one, but because uh, it's not closed yet, we're still wrapping up our DD. But you know that one we're picking up at eight million, and um, the as is value in the appraisal just came in at 10.4 million. Um, that's as is, and then the ARV is much higher than that. So uh, it's it's good to go in knowing that you know you're walking into some automatic equity, which is pretty cool. Uh, we are picking uh, up that deal with uh, two members in our actually three members in our mastermind. So we're gonna be partnering with them. Uh, super excited for it. Uh, I'm gonna guarantee the loan, um, and uh, we're gonna get you know partner together and and do a pretty pretty big deal together. So super excited for that one. But anyways, so I want to break down step by step. You know what you guys need to do to buy your first boutique hotel here in 2024. Again, um, we do have a boutique hotel investing mastermind. So if any of you guys are interested, um, we got 20 members currently. We only do a new round um, every three months. Um, but if anyone's interested, you can check us out at summerscapital.com slash mastermind to book a free call if you're interested in our boutique hotel investing mastermind. If you love real estate investing, passive income, and tax benefits, but don't have the time, my company, Summers Capital, is buying boutique hotels right now. We source the deals, we renovate the properties, and we even handle all the day-to-day -day management, making it truly hands-off for our investors. If you want to learn more to see if we can help you, visit summerscapital.com slash invest to book a call with our team. Again, that's summerscapital.com slash invest. Now back to the show. Anyways, kick it off. 
Step one, what you want to do to buy a hotel in 2024 is first, you want to make sure that you got some sort of real estate investing experience. So you got some short-term rentals or you got some long-term rentals. You did a multifamily deal. Um, I think that you would be a good candidate to go buy a boutique hotel. But if you've never done a real estate deal, go do a real estate deal first, whether it's a short-term rental, long-term rental, multifamily deal. Go do a deal first. And get a little bit of experience before you go take down a boutique hotel. Boutique hotel is not going to be for someone that's trying to do their first deal. Uh, so I just want to get that out there. If you have not done a deal yet, don't go straight to the boutique hotel stuff. There's a little bit of learning stuff that, that you should get done first. Go do a short-term rental. That's probably going to be the closest. I always say if you take a multifamily deal and you take a short-term rental deal and marry the two, you really have a, a boutique hotel. But if you can understand multifamily and you can understand how a short-term rental works... Um, you're gonna do. You're gonna have the skill set that it, re- it requires to to do it successfully. Number two, get very clear on your skill set. For example, are you more into sourcing deals and raising capital, or are you more so the person that wants to be behind be behind the scenes and be crunching numbers, analyzing deals? You want to be working with the legal team. You want to be working with the tax accountant, the CPA, etc. Because it's really two different people. So get clear what your skill set is. And then you really want to partner with someone that complements your skill set. So if you're the person that loves talking, building relationships, sourcing deals, talking to brokers and, and that sort of thing and raising money, then go partner with someone that you know wants to underwrite deals and be more analytical and, and do the asset management and stuff that's on the back end. But on the flip side, if you're someone that's good at underwriting and asset management, go partner with someone that you know is good at raising money and is good at sourcing deals, etc. You know, you want to get very clear on market selection. So uh, for us, you know, we're looking for hotels in coastal markets. We like vacation areas. Um, We like areas that are, you know, generally speaking, left leaning. So more like liberal markets. Um, The reason I say that is because, you know, traditional real estate, the more landlord friendly states typically or generally speaking are going to be more your conservative states. Um, However, with boutique hotels, we target markets that are in uh, areas that have tightening short-term rental regulations. And a lot of those areas tend to be more liberal areas. So if you look at um, a lot of markets in California, those areas have a lot of tight short-term rental regulations. And those are the markets where it's bringing more demand to the hotels. And so we are looking in liberal markets, but you know that doesn't mean that you can't do well in a conservative market. Get clear on your market selection. Where do you want to be in the country? And then next, you want to figure out what is your ability to buy? So like, what's your purchase price and what's your search criteria going to look like? So for example, um, when I talk to a broker, you know, brokers can ask you, okay, like what kind of deal are you looking for? What's your search criteria? So for us, we're looking for deals between 2 and $10 million. Um, we love coastal markets. We love areas with tightening short-term rental regulations. We love tire properties that have not been renovated in decades. We love seller financing opportunities. Um, and we love well-located assets. So uh, good assets that are underperforming, that's our criteria. As you notice, our criteria is very uh, precise. Um, because when you're talking to these brokers, uh, you only have 15 seconds to get their attention. And first impressions are everything. So you got to be able to spit the lingo. Otherwise, they're not going to take you seriously. Next up is uh, you want to get CoStar. So there's a lot of data out there um, and software that you can purchase. Um, we use CoStar. Um, it's basically a tool software, uh, that basically highlights all commercial real estate in all markets around the country. CoStar is great. It shows you literally sales comps, um, ADR, occupancy, 
uh, owner information, contact information for brokers, owners, all the trade history for all these deals. Like literally every commercial real estate deal in America is on CoStar. Even shows you like loan information, mortgage information. If they're behind on their mortgage, it shows you like everything. I wouldn't invest into boutique hotels or commercial real estate without having CoStar. It's not cheap, but it's definitely something that that you should have. Um, and then 95% of, of commercial deals are done through a broker. And so uh, you want to go on CoStar and you want to start you know, sourcing brokers, the top brokers in the markets that you want to be in to buy these hotels. Um, and so you can go on CoStar and say X market, you can say San Diego, for example, and then you put in hospitality, 50 units and under, and it will show you the most active hotel brokers who have had the most activity over the last, you know, five years, 10 years, you can set your own filters. And then I would start with those brokers first, give them a call, um, get them on the phone, introduce yourself, explain what you're looking for, uh, let them know that you're a serious buyer. You know, because you got to remember, how does a broker get paid? A broker gets paid if uh, they sell a deal, right? And so if they have a good deal, they're only going to bring it to their top buyers and the ones that they are confident in that have the ability to close. And so um, you really want to, you know, display uh, some sort of confidence in the broker that you have the ability to close, you can perform and that you're real, right? And so cut out all the fluff, let them know who you are, be real, build the relationship, get to know them. And then once you get to know them, take their email address or phone number, put it in some sort of database. So we use a CRM, uh, we use Monday, but you can pop it in there and start building out your broker list. And then every couple of weeks, you want to check in with these brokers and say, Hey, Mike, um, you know, my name is Rich. Uh, just checking in, wanted to see if you have any deals that might fit our criteria that you're working on. Uh, again, as a reminder, this is our search criteria. Thank you so much. Happy Monday. And, you know, eventually you're going to have a broker list of 150 brokers. And if you ping them all every other Monday, you're going to start to get a lot of deal flow. Um, it's all a numbers game. So you want to get the deal flow going. And next, uh, let's see here. 90, so analyze the deal. So you want to use a hotel calculator. Um, you know, pull the co-star report. Once you find these deals, um, you want to get a couple things. You're going to want to get a T12. Um, that's trailing 12 months profit and loss statement from these brokers. And then you're going to want to get the property address. Um, and then you want to pull a CoStar report. That's going to give you a lot of analytics. It's going to give you um, the sale history. But the first thing I always look at when I get a deal is, okay, what do the sales comps look like for this particular asset class in this particular market? So where does it fall in line with the sales comps relative to the pricing guidance? And so the broker is always going to give you some sort of guidance. Where does that guidance fall in line? Is it high? Is it low? If it's low, I know, hey, this is a good deal. Um, I want to analyze this quickly. And if it's a deal that pencils, I probably want to submit an LOI right away because I don't want someone else to beat me to it. Now, if it's priced high, I'm not going to prioritize that deal. I still might submit an offer at a number that makes sense for us. Be just because the pricing guidance is $10 million and the deal is worth $7 million doesn't mean that you have to pass you can still write an offer at a number that makes sense, even though it's well below the pricing guidance. It's actually great for these brokers to like have some sort of feedback. And so, you know, to put an offer in front of them is not a bad thing. Um, they like to put offers in front of their sellers just to see if, if they're serious. Um, and it also makes the broker look good if, if, if you give them an offer. So don't be afraid to put in offers that are um, below the pricing guidance. And I mentioned LOI. If you don't know what LOI is, it's letter of intent. So in the commercial real estate space, 
uh, it's very common for us to submit a letter of intent uh, instead of, you know, going straight to a purchase and sale agreement. Um, it's just a way to kind of go back and forth, hash out some non-legally binding terms. Um, and then once you and the seller agree to the terms, then you go to PSA and uh, you typically want to hire a real estate attorney and have the PSA drafted the right way, covering you. Um, you go back and forth a couple a couple times, some red line items, and then from there you finally agree to the terms and then go to PSA. Next up, you know you're going to want to submit a lot of LOIs. I mean, it's a numbers game. The deals don't just fall out of the trees. They don't just come out of bed. Um, you're going to have to put in the work and submit a lot of LOIs. So you might have to submit 40, 50 LOIs, maybe even 100 LOIs before you find that one deal. The more LOIs you submit, the the better deals that you're going to find. And there's no better feeling of knowing once you get into a good deal that you're walking into automatic equity. And then when you go to raise the money, you knowing that it's a good deal, you believing that it's a good deal uh, is going to allow you to raise the money quickly. Um, I always say, if you find the deal, the money will come, which is massive. Um, so focus on you know submitting LOIs, be aggressive, um, and it's a numbers game. Um, once you have an offer that's accepted, you go to PSA that I mentioned, that's purchase and sale agreement. Once you have the PSA signed, um, you're going to go into due diligence. Typical due diligence period for a hotel is going to be 30 days. Um, always make sure that the due diligence period does not begin until all of your due diligence items are back to you as the buyer. Um, the broker should have you sign some sort of acknowledgement that you have received all the due diligence items. And then that's when your 30 days begins. Some of the due diligence items, the main ones are really going to be 12 months profit and loss statements. Try to get more if you can. Um, if they have three years trailing, try to get those. We always try to get 12 months bank statements. You want to verify the income, 12 months utility bills for all the utilities. Um, you're, you're going to want to get a survey. You're, want, you're going to want to get um, you know a bunch of different things done. Uh, depending on lending, you're going to want to get an appraisal. Um, and then you got your financial due diligence, which I always say do first. And then you schedule your physical due diligence. You'll have an inspector come out to commercial, make sure it's a commercial inspector. Um, always get your sewer line scoped, especially if it's an older property. It only costs about 400 bucks, but get your sewer line scoped. Because uh, if there's any issues with the lines, you can use that information to retrade with the seller. That way you're not coming uh, out of pocket uh, for those items. Um, and then also in due diligence, especially the physical, if there's items that come up and let's just say, you know, the seller and the broker did not disclose to you uh, that the roof needed repairs, right? And now you, now you go get a bid from an a experienced roofer comes out. And they say, hey, you know, it's going to be 60 grand to, report, to replace this roof. Well, if the seller and the broker told you up front before you submitted your offer that the roof needed to be replaced, well, that's on you and that's not a reason to retrade. But if it's a surprise to you, then that's a reason to go back and retrade the price before you remove uh, or go past your due diligence period. Typically, after the due diligence periods, you're going you're to go non-refundable with your EMD. With this latest deal we're buying, the EMD is $200,000. So that DD ends for that deal tomorrow at midnight. So after tomorrow at midnight, uh, our $200,000 earnest money deposit will go non-refundable. Meaning, if we don't close on the particular deal, uh, the seller gets to keep our $200,000. And so make sure before you get to that point that you are in 100% certainty that you are going to move forward in the deal. Obviously, there's still going to be unknowns. You're still going to have to raise money. 
But generally speaking, you should feel very confident that you want to buy that deal and you're going to do everything possible to make sure that it happens so you don't risk your $200,000 uh, EMD. And then next up, once you get through the DD, um, you're going to want to secure your lending. Ideally, you get the appraisal done. You get some sort of firm commitment um, or at least a, a letter of intent from your lending source before you uh, get past the DD period. And then you're going to want to raise money. You got to figure out exactly uh, how much money you need to raise um, and that sort of thing. And going back to you know, the early stages, you're analyzing all these deals um, you know, with a good boutique hotel calculator, we have, we have a really good custom one that, uh, we have, uh, in our hotel mastermind. But, uh, with that calculator, it's going to tell you exactly how much equity you need to raise. It's going to tell you different loan scenarios. It's going to break down exactly, uh, how much cash you're going to be bleeding while you're renovating the property. Uh, it's going to tell you different return profiles. It's going to allow you to stress test the asset. Um, you're going to have reserve capital, you're going to have contingency capital. So when you go in and renovate these properties, you always want to have at least 20%, I would, I say 25% contingency for the design and the uh, improvement costs. So all these renovations, they typically go over budget and they typically go a little bit past timeline. So I would always bank on these things going a couple months past timeline. Um, and then you have the contingency capital. So if there's change orders, you have the money already sitting there. If you don't need it, you can always return it to the investors once you get through the renovation, which is a, a good problem to have. But anyways, you have to raise all the capital, get creative. Um, you know, we use social media, podcasting. We use a lot of different means to attract investor capital. Um, I always say, you know, it's 2024. And so, you know, you got to take advantage of all the technology that's out there to build your business and the ones that are not building their businesses and taking advantage of, you know, all the technology out there, social media, um, and all these tools to help grow our brands, to help attract capital, to help attract new clients, investors, et cetera. You're really putting yourself in a position to where it's going to be very challenging for you to compete with your competition out there. Once you get the lending secured, once you raise all the capital, um, you're going to want to close on the, the deal. Um, once you close, then, you know, you're going to have your renovations, uh, you're going to manage the contractors, um, and then you're going to need to operate the deal, relaunch it. Are you rebranding the property? I always say, if you're inheriting a property with bad reviews, um, you're always going to want to, uh, rebrand it and come up with a new name. That way, when you relaunch, you are, uh, you know, starting off with a fresh set of reviews, um, which is quite nice. You know, for the folks out there that uh, are interested in our boutique hotel mastermind, if you're interested about, you know, taking your real estate game to the next level, you're interested about um, buying boutique hotels here in 2024, um, you got a couple short term rentals, or you've done a multifamily deal, and you're ready to, you know, take advantage of the, the 40 million baby boomers that are be retiring over the next seven years. Um, the time is now. Um, we do have a boutique hotel mastermind. We got about 20 something members now. And uh, we've been crushing it. We only do a new round and uh, open it up for four new members once a quarter. Um, the next the next round we do is going to be here in a couple months. However, um, we're going to be doing something special. I'm going to announce it right now. Uh, we are going to be opening this up between uh, now and the next week and a half for two members that are serious about taking their, their game to the next level. We're going to be allowing just two new members into our mastermind between now and the next week and a half. So if you're hearing this right now, you resonated with this episode, you want to learn more, you want to take your game to the next level, you're serious about getting plugged into a group uh, of like-minded individuals that you know are taking down boutique hotels, there's partnership opportunities right now, 
Um, there's, we have 11 hotels collectively owned in the group and two more under contract. Um, and then there's loan guarantor, um, opportunities in the group. Uh, basically all the resources, the A to Z, everything that you need to know to be successful, to take your game to the next level. If you're serious, uh, go to summerscapital.com slash mastermind to book a free call with our team. Again, we're going to allow two new members uh, between now and the next week and a half. Go to summerscapital.com slash mastermind to book a call with the team. And um, if we feel you're a good fit, you're aligned, and we feel you're a good fit for a mastermind, we can uh, discuss maybe having you be one of those two spots. Anyways, this concludes uh, this first edition, our first episode of 2024. Um, again, hope you guys found this valuable. How to buy your first boutique hotel in 2024. I know I'm super excited for the year, super pumped. We're looking forward to taking down a few hotels this year and uh, building our portfolio. Hope you guys found value. See you on the next one. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.